Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things The Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at TFR Batpod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can send us emails. Just send those to tfrbatpod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I am joined today by not my normal co-host. He is on vacation. I think he actually just got back as we're recording this. So, Joe, I hope you enjoyed your vacation. Um, but I am joined by a voice that has been on this show before, and he usually pops around when we're talking animated movies, and today is no different. I'm joined by my buddy, Matt Hewlin. Matt, it's been a long time, buddy. How are you? It has been a while, man. I'm doing good. Um, glad to be back on the show. Uh, appreciate the invite as always. And um, ready to talk some. Uh, can I drop the name or? Sure. Yeah, you, go ahead. Ready to talk some Superman with you, man. Yeah. So I did tease it on um, X the other day. And I know I, Matt, I don't think I think you're still a social media hermit. So I, uh, I am. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think you're on X anyway. So no, I was um, not. Okay. Well, uh, do you know that X is now uh, Twitter is I, now X? I I do. I do. I do. Gotcha. Okay. I'm not that. <laughs> so, I'm not that much of a hermit. I do. <laughs> I do still keep up with some current events, but. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So I did. I kind of teased on X the other day that the next episode we would be going a little super, and little did I know. And this might be news for you too, Matt, since you're not since you're not uh, much on social media, but. The actor strike that has been going on seemingly is, uh, forever is finally over. The actors and the producers have come to an agreement, so there, there's no longer any strike. And post that happening, James Gunn was very happy to announce on Twitter that Superman Legacy is still on track to make its July 2025 release date, which is very exciting. So they're going to get started filming, I believe, in March and then we'll be getting the movie in a little over a year. So July of 2025, um, we'll be getting a brand new Superman movie. So I had decided to cover a little Superman anyway, but just happenstance um, where we got good news on the Superman front. So in the spirit of that today, we are going to celebrate a 10 year old Superman animated film. Um, but before we get there, I do have to make sure that we give a shout out to our partner sponsor here on TFR, and that is Organic Priced Books. Now, you guys have heard me talk about Organic Priced Books many times on the most recent episodes, and uh, just so happens there is a Superman book I wanted to plug because it's very similar to the title of the movie we're covering today, and that is Superman Unchained. It is a Jim Lee and Scott Snyder comic. They're, they've got a brand new uh, deluxe edition of that that is on Organic Priced Books. I highly re recommend checking it out. Uh, we've got the Batman, the Hush Saga omnibus coming this Tuesday, I think. Um, so if there's anything like that you're looking for, and it doesn't have to be DC, it can be Marvel, Dark Horse, IDW, uh, Dynamite Comics, any of the brands that you're looking for in hardcover, trade paperback, or deluxe editions, omnibus, absolutes, make sure you use the link in the description of this podcast 
and go to that site. And if you do purchase any books, make sure you take advantage of our promo codes because Organic Price Books has provided you two codes as listeners to this show. The first is TFR Batpod, and that saves you $2 off of any order. And then the second is TFR Batpod, ship it together. And if you buy three or more books, you can use that code. You get, uh, you get shipping free and you get a percentage off of that total order. So make sure you go to Organic Price Books if you're looking for anything. And now is a good time because we've got Christmas coming up. So you can get a good deal on some books and get a little bit extra off and support this show as you do so. Now, Matt, I know you are uh, you haven't been on with us in a while. I don't even know if you knew we had this partnership, um, but it's a great partnership. I don't know if you've bought any books in a while, but it's a great place to do so if you have not. Um, I have not. I did know you had a partnership with them. Um, and I think it's a, I think it sounds like a, a great place, especially um, for those who are kind of like me, who haven't like maybe kind of like more a little bit kind of casual and, and enjoy some of the, um, the, like the film and um, like TV, like kind of content, but have kind of, kind of struggle a little bit to get into the, um, uh, the comic scene, like the actual like root material. I think it's a really, really cool way to, um, to be able to kind of break into that if that's what you're looking to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I just had a situation. Um, I got a book for spooky season because I always like to theme my reading and we just had Halloween. Um, so I had picked up, it's a book called Moonshine and it's, uh, I talked about it with Joe on the last episode, but I just wanted to shout out organic price books. Cause I, I did buy the book through them. The packaging was fantastic. I mean, they made sure the, the book was very well taken care of. Um, it was in a, it was in a much too large box if I'm honest, but the box was just full of, uh, fantastic packaging. So the book was nice and pristine when I got it. So I can't, uh, give organic price books any more credit because they're they're awesome. But guys, if you're looking for any books for yourself or if you're looking for gift ideas, make sure you check out our partners at Organic Price Books. But Matt, let's get into the topic we're here to talk about. So it's been 10 years since this movie came out, and we are kind of in the habit of doing anniversaries here. And since I was looking for Superman, this was a perfect excuse to cover this movie. So we are going back to May of 2013, and we're talking about today, Superman Unbound. Okay, Matt. So as I said, this movie was released back in May of 2013. So we're a little late on the 10 year anniversary, but not by too much. Um, so this movie, it was directed by James Tucker, uh, based on a screenplay by Bob Goodman. And it is based on the comic Superman Brainiac by Jeff Johns. Um, so just to start out, I know you had watched this just before we recorded, Matt, and, and you were telling me um, that you thought you felt like you had watched it before, but you couldn't remember. Is, is that right? Yeah, um, I think I I feel like I had to have watched it several years ago when I was going through all of the uh, DC stuff that was on HBO Max and just kind of just trying to consume as much of it as I could. 
and I know, um, like I told you, I think that I had like had to have like passed it somehow, because um, I haven't. I mean, it has not been recently since I've watched it, but um, there's no way I would have just been like uh, I would have just continued to skip over it like that if it hadn't shown that I had watched all of it through before. Um, but when you when you text me and asked me about coming on the episode, I was like, is that a I was like is that a new one like i couldn't i was like i don't i don't know if i've even seen that and i looked it up and even whenever i like pulled it up on max to to see i was like yeah i don't even know i don't remember what this is about or like what happened in this one or or anything and um i i feel kind of bad because it's definitely not a movie that you could like that deserves to be like forgotten like that um well and since you say that, I, you and I were discussing before we started recording, this does feel like one of those movies because every time I watch it, I enjoy it. This is a yeah. fun movie, um, but I feel like it's one of those that I probably haven't thought about this movie in in a couple of years. Um, it just it's one of those good ones that seems to be kind of forgotten, which is a shame. Um, because I do feel like it's it's worthy of your time. And one of the things we're going to get into the story more, but one of the things I really like about this movie is this this animated film does something that I feel like, you know, the the comic book fandom has been asking for in a live action Superman movie for years. And that's give us Brainiac. Give us Superman versus Brainiac. And this movie does that in spades. It's a great story of kind of first contact between Superman and Brainiac. And I feel like if if you were looking to do a live action Superman Brainiac story, this is a pretty good template. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I, I feel that way. I would agree. I, I do really like the um uh the the Brainiac portrayal. Um in this movie um i think it definitely um hits all the high points and things that you look at you look for with um with this villain Mm -hmm. Uh, another thing i really like about it is i mean you've got the inclusion of supergirl here so so you've got that familiar i guess familiar territory with superman and supergirl you've got lois lane but um, one of the issues I see with it, like the most current DC universe, uh, the animated universe that they have going right now, is it feels like a lot of required viewing. Like it feels like homework mm. you have to get through to, to understand one movie to the next. And this movie, I feel like is from that bygone era of DC animated films where you can just jump in. You don't have to have yeah. seen a previous movie. This is a contained story. And as long as you know who the players are, I mean, and, and most people do know who Superman and Supergirl, yeah. Lois, Lois Lane. Uh, as long as you know those characters, there's no required, you know, homework beforehand. You can just dive in and it's a complete story. Yeah, you have as long as you know the basics, bare bones of um of superman which i feel like most um most viewers of this movie are are going to know um it's something that you can enjoy um and it's but it's also something i feel like there's enough of those nice little like easter eggs and callbacks to different characters and stuff that the hardcore fans can really like have something to take out of it extra as well if you do like follow um 
are as deep into it as, as someone like me or you are. Um, right. And even, even Brainiac, I mean, if you don't know Brainiac, it's really not required here either because they do a no. really good job of, of explaining to you uh, who Brainiac is and what his motivations are, which yeah. I, I really appreciate. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. And it's, it's like you said, there's no, the it, it's in this world of, you know, this post MCU DCU like world that we live in where it seems like, you know, you have to consume everything to kind of get, uh, um, you know, understand what's going on or, or what's happening or get the full experience. Um, it's nice to have, you know, these movies that are standalone, they and it gives i feel like it also is nice for the uh for the creators as well because they don't have to worry about sticking to a certain script or being um uh kind of held in line by something that someone else did on a previous project earlier in the in the universe or uh, gives them a a nice um way to um experiment with things like animation style and bringing in different voice actors, things like that, um, that work yeah. really well for this movie. And I'm glad you brought up voice actors because I do want to get into, um, two things really quickly, animation and voice acting. Um, but I did want to say, uh, before that, if you haven't seen this film, um, we're, we're not going to do a spoiler free section. It's 10 years old. So if you haven't seen it, just pause right here, hop off, go watch the movie and come back. Um, because like I said, we're not going to do any, any kind of spoiler free territory here. Um, but the voice acting, you brought up voice actors and this one there, there's several key characters here who are voiced by what I consider DC legacy actors. Uh, I don't know if you looked in, into any of the voice actors before, or after watching the movie, uh, Matt, I, did any of them stick out? Did you recognize? I any? know the, I know the one that you are 100% going to talk about. Um, and that's the man of steel himself, Matt Bomer. Like I know you're, I, I saw him, um, when I was watching it at this, this movie does a good job of like giving you a good, like opening credit scene before it gives you like anything else. And like, mm -hmm. I saw Matt Bomer's name pop up and I was like, Eric's going to talk about him and no, he's going to talk about him. Um, yeah. He's, I... he... Oh, go ahead. I, I would say like, he's, he's definitely one of my, one of my favorite voice actors for Superman. Um, yeah, I thought he did a really good job as Superman, which I mean, he he is the Flash in the mm -hmm. most current iteration of the DC animated universe. Um, and he's great as the Flash as well, and he brings something a little different to Superman, which I enjoy. Um, he's definitely a quirky, quippy Barry Allen, but here he's got a little more of that stoic Superman tone. Yeah, I had forgotten that he now now that you bring that up, I had forgotten that he was um like uh the voice of the flash um but uh you wouldn't really know that like i don't see a whole lot of crossover between his his flash and his superman um i think he does a really good job of of making them distinct like i think if you told someone and played them clips like back to back they'd be like oh yeah of course that's the same person but i think just you know, casually watching it, it's not so much where you're like, oh, wait, wasn't this the guy running around in the red jumpsuit earlier, like in the movie we watched last week or something like you wouldn't you wouldn't get that. He, he brings enough of a um, 
he's able to distinguish his voice and his performance between the two so that there's not really, I don't really feel any kind of crossover or doesn't take me out of it, you know, hearing him as, um, it's kind of like um, Jensen Ackles between his Red Hood and Batman. Like it, yes. it's still Jensen that's Ackles, a, but but there's a, good, a variance a, there. That's a perfect example because you don't ever think like I, I in any of the new animated universe movies. I've never I've never been like, oh, this just sounds like Red Hood. Like listening to Jensen as Batman, it's it never. And I think with like Bomer, I was noticing like through the movie, like you don't really. I don't really ever get him like I'm not picturing uh, Superman and then going to what's his character's name on Doom Patrol. Um, negative man. Negative man. Like I'm not getting, you know, I'm not all of a sudden like watching a Superman movie and picturing negative man unless I think of, like I'm actively thinking about it. Like I am trying to, you know, review the movie, the watching it for a review. But I feel like I wouldn't like pull that out um, of him or whenever he played in. Um, that show was it catch me if you can i think it's an old usa show um mm-hmm. that uh he um like i'm not picturing that i'm just all i'm hearing is is this universe's superman i'm not um i'm not pulled up pulled out of it by any means very true and i'm glad you brought up um doom patrol because that's absolutely another feather in the dc cap for matt bomer he is he is solidified as dc legacy now um but we have another one, and I don't know if you caught this whatsoever, but the voice of Brainiac is also a DC Legacy character. Um, um, so it's John Noble who mm-hmm. plays Brainiac, and he is also Scarecrow in Batman Arkham Knight. And he's uh, a fabulous Scarecrow. Um and I think the number one role I always think about when I think John Noble, he's Denethor in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. Uh, so the Steward of now. Gondor. Mm-hmm. And he is, so he has a track record of playing an absolute bastard. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was fixing to say, he's, uh, when you go from Scarecrow, Brainiac, Denethor, like he's, it, it seems like he gets typecast a lot. Um, but he does, I mean, when you do as good of a job as, as he had with all three of those, um, that's too Well, he's expected. got such a good voice for a bad guy. So, yeah, and then, you know, we have um, Stan Akatik as Lois Lane. We have Molly Quinn as uh, Cara Zorrell, Supergirl. Diedrich Bader as Steve Lombard, which Diedrich Bader also very much DC Legacy because he's Batman in The Brave and the Bold and also Batman in... Um, the Harley Quinn TV series. So lots and lots of wonderful voice actors in this uh, movie. And I did want to shout out the iconic uh, DC voice director and voice cast person, uh, Andrea Romano. She gets a little cameo in here as, as a news anchor. Um, so I just did want to shout out Andrea Romano cause she's wonderful. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the animation. Matt, because I know this is this is a conversation point between me and you constantly about animation styles in this movie. So I did want to get your thoughts. What did you think of the animation in Superman Unbound? I liked it. Um, I don't. I mean, it's it's different enough that I can um, distinctly tell. Okay, this stands on its own. Like it doesn't. Um, 
I really don't think I'm trying to think of what I can I've seen that I can really draw the like closest comparison to um but I I don't really have any any complaints and I the entire time I'm watching it like I I had saw on um, cuz you know when you watch you know stuff on streaming it'll pop up and tell you the year it was released or whatever and I saw 2013 and I was like oh wow that's really old and I was like well that makes sense why Eric wants wants to do it. its 10 year anniversary this year I was like now I get it but um uh I if you told me that this this movie was created and came out you know last year like I I could have believed you because I mean it just it's something that holds um like it it stands that test of time it doesn't look back and it's not like when you watch um some of the um movies and things that are um that kind of animated movies um like that are based in the like justice league and batman the animated series and the the superman um original superman cartoon like it they don't date themselves based off of the the animation style um it's right it's it's, a, it's got a very, it's a very modern modernized feel to it. Yeah. yeah um it it looks like it's you know cutting edge you know animation um, it's um for me it's i would call it serviceable um like i don't have any complaints about it but it's also not an animation style like i would rave about um you know, it's it, it very much has in certain shots, especially with Superman, like there was a shot where he was like yelling in pain or something like that. And I felt it has a little bit of an anime vibe to it, mm -hmm. just slightly, um, which is not usually my thing. Didn't really bother me here. Um, the only nitpick I have about this animation is there are certain shots where they linger on a particular character. They did it several times with Lois Lane. Like they'll linger on her and I don't know if they're trying to show like an emotional moment or some kind of reaction from her, but it's like, it's just a static image of her. Like her, what her eyes don't widen or anything. It just like, it's almost like a freeze frame of her. And it doesn't feel it, super organic for you in that. Yeah. It it's it's just like a little bit. Yeah, it's like, why Why am I staring at just like a still image of Lois Lane? Because I get what they're trying to do, because it seems like they're trying to, okay, she's she's reacting to something, but it's just like static. There's no emotion yeah. there or anything like that. That's the only thing that kind of pulled me out with the animation. I would, I can kind of um, like see where you like feel that too. Um, and it, it may be something that like, I don't really like, doesn't take me out super much because you, you kind of compared it to like anime and anytime, anytime we start talking about something, you know, a show that's got a little more of an anime vibe, like I tend to like it or don't have a problem with it, but you're kind of like, yeah, not really my thing. Um, I think we had a similar conversation on the, uh, most recent Superman release, um, the, my adventures with Superman. I think that was something that we talked about, um, but I, I, I can kind of see that. And it kind of does. Um, one of the things that I always kind of look for, like in an animated movie, is how um, how well does the scene like flow and the different like the individual shots like flow. And I did feel like in this one, maybe it was kind of like things kind of jumped a little bit like they didn't seem as smooth like it's nothing like glaringly obvious. But if you're paying like really like detailed attention, it's kind of um 
uh, it kind of it feels a little bit choppy and maybe kind of like a, a slower frame rate or something like that um, is kind of Yeah, the best and way I think to describe it. Um, and and I think part of it may be too. Uh, I think a big thing with animation styles is um, when you're when because it's so different and it's so new. Um, like if you ever start to watch an animated show or something, it can kind of you can kind of get that little like, ah, oh, this feels off. Like I'm not really used to it. You're picking out all the things that are different, and then as your mind and your brain kind of like adjust to it and picking it out, it's kind of kind of fills in the gaps for you and you don't really um notice it any longer like the, the first couple episodes you watch of a show may feel kind of off but then you know halfway through the season or towards the end of the season you're not noticing it anymore because you've adjusted to it and i think with the longer anime like the series of movies you get that um you kind of get a little you get that a little bit more like the You know, when you get a new release, it may take you a second, but your your brain's already used to that same material. So it kind of smooths it together for it goes a little bit quicker. But with something like this that's so unique and stands by itself, it kind of hits you a little bit. Um, it's a little harder to get that same thing because it is it is something new and, and different um, than Yeah, what you're and used I think, to. and I think a key to remember there is uh, when you're talking about these movies in in particular, you have to consider that these are direct to DVD or direct to you know home video movies, and they don't have the budgets of like a Disney animated film, for instance. Yeah. So you do you do have to take that into account. Um, but other than that, I mean, I do I do like the animation style. I like the way Superman looks. I like the way Brainiac looks. I I think they really they really pulled off. a good style in this film. Um, but let's get into the story a little bit and we're not going to go beat by beat, but we are going to cover some of the, some of the broad strokes of the film. So right off the bat, we get, uh, we get Lois Lane in, at the beginning and she's, uh, she's putting herself in harm's way with these terrorists that are attacking. And of course it's, it's up to Superman to save the day. And he does so with the help of Supergirl. And we get a couple of dynamics right off the bat. There is a dynamic between Lois and Superman that Superman thinks that she puts herself in danger too much. Um, and he's kind of a overprotective boyfriend uh, for Lois. There's a dynamic where Lois wants to make their relationship as Lois Lane and Clark Kent public. And he's hesitant to do so. So they've got, they've got, you know, kind of nitpicks with each other. off the bat and then we have the supergirl dynamic where the the issue between superman and supergirl is that he is trying to teach her how to be careful with all this power that she has and he thinks she's a little reckless and they set this all up within the first five minutes and i think it, it's smart because they go through back through this story progression throughout the movie um so just with this whole setup of the of the three dynamics we have here. Uh, what did you think of the setup between the, the characters and their relationships? Um, I will pick on um, the Superman and Lois uh, relationship a little bit um, because uh, I feel like um, this is a very, uh, again, it's a standalone film and, you know, kind of, but it's a, it seems like a kind of an out of character thing for our general, like, 
Lois Lane. Um, you know, she's typically portrayed as the very career oriented, very goal oriented um, woman that's, you know, uh, that's all about the next story and, and, and not more, not so much the, the traditional life. And then here you have her, you know, um, in a established, uh, we're, I don't think they ever put a like true timeline on it, but her and her and Clark or her and Superman have been together for, you know, years at this point. Um, even though it's been completely private um, mm -hmm. and you have her wanting to, uh, I just thought it was kind of odd that she would want the talk about the whole like wanting kids or wanting to like go out and, and do these things like with Clark and stuff like that. And I was like, that just seems really out of place for, a, um, for Lois. Um, Interesting. But it does. Yeah. To, to me, it, it did um, just because I, of. I think if I didn't live in a world where we had the Bitsy to look um superman and lois version yeah. of lois i may i may be along the same lines as you but maybe my mm -hmm. mind has gotten used to that dynamic where uh, we do have a lois that's very family oriented and you know wants to be a couple with clark and wants to make you know have that forefront so i don't know maybe maybe it didn't just strike me that way because i've gotten used to that dynamic yeah um and it's And it may be too, like they're trying to position it as, you know, this is, you know, kind of to date, it's just trying to help you date their relationship to that point where she has done that kind of, you know, um, the fresh, it's new, like I'm, you know, in love with the Superman and like, you know, that part of the relationship and she's grown to that point where she is like, okay, well now. I do want to make this like an actual, you know, uh, more traditional. She is getting in that point because I think, I think even in that, even in like the Superman and Lois um, uh, version of these characters, I feel like they probably still had like, maybe she wasn't always that way. Like, I don't, I, I always picture Lois as more of the, um, strong, independent, type. strong, independent, the, the mortal female version of of superman kind of like their personalities are you know she's super in in the way that you know any um more like i said non-superpowered um human female like can be kind of um thing that's what she she represents she represents that like break from the traditional um you know Uh, housewife caretaker mother kind of expectation um sure. for women um and this is based off of superman brainiac so maybe jeff johns wrote her that way in the comic I i've never read that particular comic so yeah. i'm not sure um but that was something that i that just it just stood out to me um as mm -hmm. far as their relationship um Do you want me to continue on with like Supergirl and stuff, or do you want to? Yeah, sure. Um, I I think it was a good way to another thing that I noticed about like this um, introduction of these relationships, like you're talking about, um, is that we get introduced to Lois, we get introduced to Supergirl, we get introduced to all these other people before we even see Superman. Like the first time we see Superman is whenever he 
you know, drops down and grabs the front of that helicopter and is like almost irritated because he's having to come in and like uh, kind of stop and fix, you know, save the bad guys from his cousin who's, you know, kind of like about to let her emotions and stuff get out of control. And um, I think that was a really nice way to kind of introduce all of it is to have them be brought in first um, before you get that nice reveal of Superman. Um, and Which this is, is perfectly kind of, on par with Supergirl's character, by the way, she always yes. starts a little reckless. And that's, that's what I was about to get to get at. And this is classic Supergirl. Like this is 100% like she's, she's struggling because she's, she's fresh on earth by just a few months, I think is what he said um, in the film. And she's like, I'm older than you. You know, I was this age when you were just a, just a baby kind of thing. And he was like, well, yeah, that was a long time ago. You know, like things are different because of, uh, I think he says blame Einstein for it. That's what I thought was a really, really good line. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, especially whenever she was like, well, who is that? And it's like, okay, this is, they kind of drives the point home. Like she's not know, from here. She's yeah. not from here. Like it, because if you say of ask someone to name a famous scientist or something throughout history like einstein's going to be near the top of anybody's um list i would like to think um but it is like i said it's classic supergirl it's classic trying to adjust to um and in and in this iteration the fact that she did not have any kind of powers beforehand is also a um kind of a take because i know in some iterations i feel like um you know she was part of the uh like the military forces on krypton and um and things like that so it's a it's a little bit different but she's having that um on top of just the the struggling with with coming to terms with um you know the fact that her i mean she's still i mean she's still in that grieving process. Like she's have all this change and she's still in this grieving process of having her entire planet destroyed. Um, something that, you know, Clark uh, comes to learn after. And it's something that he's, he never has really known. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good point you're making Matt about, you know, Clark really didn't have that familiarity, but, but Kara did um, with, with the whole Krypton and everything that had happened there. And the other piece of familiarity or familiarity, excuse me, um, that we get here is of course that we're introduced to Brainiac. So we do have the situation where uh, there's a, there's an asteroid headed towards earth and Clark goes to intercept it. And he realizes that it's this robot and there's, there's this really big battle um, between Superman and this robot and we come to find out, and we're talking about that experience with Krypton, that when it comes to a head and they've, they're have they investigating the robot, Supergirl is horrified at this robot because she knows exactly what it is. And she knows what Brainiac is. So we go through this, uh, this information dump a little bit of what had happened with Kandor and Supergirl's experience there. And she's concerned that the same could happen with earth that, you know, Brainiac is coming to earth. He's going to take a city, destroy the world. 
and it's going to be the same nightmare all over again. So Matt, what did you think of the kind of backstory on Brainiac here and the introduction to this character? Um, I think it's a good one. I think it's another one of those like throwbacks in a classic, um, you know, origin story kind of for Brainiac. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know the, him having the, um, you know, t- taking the cities and stuff, um, is something that I feel like I've seen before, or maybe, maybe this is me like starting to recall, like having seen the movie before, but I feel like we've seen that in other iterations um it's very it's, much classic brainiac he he does yeah. this he steals cities put it yeah. puts them in bottles <clears throat> that kind of thing um and it's also you know kind of ties in why we see you know gives us a reason to have um kara's storyline and brainiacs all at the same time and gives that connection um kind of a little bit of a triangle between clark and brainiac and um and Kara all um, in one, like I said, commonality, something they all have um, connecting them. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course, you know, after Superman hears all this, he's concerned that more of these Brainiac drones will come to earth. So he decides to track down Brainiac before he can send these drones and what's in, what's interesting to me, this part of the movie, is that there's this ship that Superman has that he takes from the fortress into space to track down Brainiac. And I just found that an interesting addition to this movie, um, because usually, you know, we just see Superman fly off into space. He doesn't need to breathe in space or anything like that. So I don't know. It was just a unique take to have superman in his own little ship flying through the galaxy i i I thought that was unique i think yeah and i think it was kind of um uh i like the way because when um superman is talking to kara you know in that first conversation they have after the intro where he tells her that you know her him being there and and having lived there for you know decades already and and now technically kind of being older than her was due to a wormhole um and if you notice that's kind of how his his ship travels is sort of a, a like warp drive kind of thing um so it's kind of a little bit of a story building in pieces without having to go back and like show you everything um but I did like the uh, I did like the sh- I did like the ship I did like the Fortress of Solitude I did like that we got a that it shows us a, a very established Superman who has come into um, his own you know um, high level of, of powers because not not only do his powers come from you know his you know just the, the super strength and speed and things but it also comes from the resources that he has access to from from krypton and i feel like that's where you kind of start to see his evolution once he once he's mastered his powers into you know what he's able to discover and use kind of that that knowledge and stuff from his home planet um and it kind of sets him up as as a superman that is ready to take on a brainiac level threat um without really the assistance of like a justice league or or anything like that yeah exactly and i do like 
like I said, it's a unique but a take for Superman. But I do enjoy this ship. It's it's a nice design, and I like I like the way it's used here. Um, but going through the galaxy, you know, Superman does encounter Brainiac, and and he finds him actually doing what he does. Um, he's he's captured uh, a planet, and he is he's doing his little city in a bottle and destroying the planet, um, which Superman attempts to stop. But of course, he's knocked unconscious by the by the missile that's fired at the planet and destroys it. And Superman is then taken to Brainiac's ship, where he is studied by Brainiac, and he ends up. We find we come to find that Candor is still aboard uh, Brainiac's ship here, and after he has learned everything he needs to from Superman, or so he thinks, Brainiac actually puts him into the shrunken city of Kandor. And I really love this. I love that Superman gets, even though it's, it's horrible, you know, how it came about, he gets to meet some of his people and he meets his aunt and uncle. And, you know, he gets to see all these Kryptonians, even if it's in uh, less than desirable circumstances. Um, But what do you think of that meeting Kara's parents, you know, Clark's aunt and uncle? I, I thought that was really neat, even though, you come to find out they're definitely under duress. They're not happy. They know they're trapped. And you come to find out that everything is being controlled by drones from Brainiac. Like they can't step a toe out of line or these drones basically attack them to get them back into line. So what'd you think of the whole candor in a bottle? Um, Again, it's, it's very classic. Um, Superman versus Brainiac and gives, um, kind of a uh, a callback for why um, Superman is so invested and, and a reason for Kara to be invested. Um, and it's it's kind of in contrast because I know some Brainiac um, uh, origins have him as actually a Kryptonian creation. Um, but in this one, we, we don't see that. We see him being as something from another planet. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a good way for to still keep that Kryptonian kind of um, theme, but also um, give us a little bit more backstory on um, on him. And then I also like the conversation um, that he has that Clark has with his uncle about um, Brainiac having, you know, his actions being a a glitch or a bug in his programming that that ends up getting tied into later in the movie um and ultimately leads to you know superman's victory um yeah did, about how he stopped the planet he he destroyed the planet so he could stop them from evolving because once they yeah. evolve then he's lost the information he had because it's not current it becomes outdated yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um, it's a really neat touch and shows kind of a limitation to like with Brainiac and shows that he is like really does show that when, you know, if you think about it clearly enough, you know, if he was truly as powerful and, and stuff as he would, as he claims to be, he would be able to adapt as, you know, and predict, you know, these changes and things that, that would be made on, but he's, he's truly not, he, he's, he's delusional in that in that fact um something else i also um kind of noticed was the uh um 
the fact that we don't get a bunch of, you know, we get a bunch of normal Kryptonians. We don't get, you know, we don't see any other super powered ones, which kind of, to me, um, I thought it was interesting that instead of, you know, when, uh, Superman goes and he, he does find them a new home and, and takes them somewhere. Um, and he mentions this before he even like creates the victory. He's like, you know, I can find, he's like, I know of a planet that has a, you know, in a system with a red sun, like Krypton's, um, that we can reload that I can save you and I can relocate you to. And I just thought it was interesting why he had to pick somewhere that was, you know, with a, with a red sun. And I wonder if there's Kryptonians there in Candor that are like, wait a second, like he's all super powered and stuff because he lives with a yellow sun. Why can't we go? So why couldn't he have put us somewhere with a yellow? Sun? Like why, why did he choose to put us, you know, somewhere with a, um, in a system with a red sun, like, well, Which, and I like to think that this Superman has probably encountered Zod in mm-hmm. the past and knows what can happen if, you know, the Kryptonians are tempted by that power. Yeah, I just I love the I kind of I kind of like it. Like, I mean, I, I like that he, he chooses that and then it kind of goes unexplained because then you can kind of start to theorize as to, you know, is that why, you know, has he seen Zod? Has he encountered Zod? Um, you know, or would it, you know, kind of be a, a possibility of, you know, there is someone who's like Zod, like in Candor, mm-hmm. who does put all of these things together and then would kind of set up a, you know, kind of sequel to this movie where um, they do go and, and try to, uh, you know, reach out and, and expand and find a system with a yellow sun so that they can, you know, continue that same, um, well, uh, it's it's kind of like you know, there's a, yeah, there's a whole civilization of people in this bottle. It's like, mm. it, can you count on all of them to have the same altruistic nature that Superman does? It's it's a conundrum. <laughs> yeah. Um, but from here, you know, Superman does formulate a plan to escape Candor, um, using the subjugator robots that Zod. I mean, not Zod. You got me thinking, Zod. Um, <laughs> that Brainiac has to keep everyone in line. And I thought it was a really great plan. Like he, he hatches an escape by attacking these robots. And then when they're beamed back up to uh Brainiac ship, he's attached to them. So he goes along with them and he just wreaks havoc on Brainiac ship and ends up escaping back to earth. Um, so yeah, just the escape plan I thought was a stroke of genius. I really like how they pulled that off, even though Superman wasn't super powered in the bottle. Uh, any thoughts on that? Um, I think he he did have some some strength, but not still. like yeah. I think yeah. the I think the way they were using the Red Sun in this was you know he still had the powers that he's like some like I guess like kind of like a buildup of you know his long exposure yeah Yeah, residual and that if he stays there with the red sun that's why i think he mentions like i've got to go ahead and act quickly or else i'm not going to have my powers and there is going to be no way for us to escape and and he knows like if um if he lets that happen that brainiac is gonna is then gonna go to earth and the same thing and he's just gonna continue to do this throughout the universe um 
so I did I will say that I almost like thought that he was um trying to almost like because of the way he was attacking the ground I was like wait a second is he like picturing this like from the outside and like seeing like the bottom of like the jar and he's just gonna like superman his way like all the way through um like the bottom of of it and kind of like bust that out and then or like you know kind of drill his way down through but then when the robots started attacking and subduing him like you see he's just trying to um uh instigate and and then use um that against them to get which out. The, the yeah the the drilling through might have been a sillier take so i'm glad they went the way that <laughs> they did um but yeah i mean i mean i like the escape i like that he disabled you know brainiac's ship and you know he i i also like that he didn't think this was going to be the end of it because upon returning to earth he does um he he does he is kind of in a in a wary state and we learn that lois is too because after she's learned from supergirl why superman left she alerts the pentagon of what's going on and what the potential could be for brainiac and then of course brainiac does recover the ship recovers and he goes to earth and the whole process is started with earth he does encase metropolis in the bottle and I thought the unique thing was instead of destroying the planet, he's going to go after the sun because he knows that the sun is the is basically the source of strength and power for Supergirl and Superman. So he's that's he's going to eliminate that, which I thought was a really neat touch because if you can't, you know, you know, you're not going to be able to destroy the Earth if you have Superman and Supergirl there. So let's just take out their source of strength. I yeah, thought that was. We yeah, I it, when we saw that whenever Superman went after Brainiac and was captured the first time, he uses mm -hmm. that solar buster thing to destroy um to destroy that entire system. And it's it, it I think it, it's kind of cool to me that he's already like and kind of shows some of Brainiac's power like being able to assess that that quickly um that okay, this is why you know his power like this is being able to quickly assess superman's weakness and immediately have something available to just annihilate basically annihilate him and and mm -hmm. make him powerless um which would also in the long run i mean it would it would destroy the earth as well because the, the yes. earth can't survive without the sun yeah um but I, I think seeing that, you know, and they tease that, we know that that's going to become a, you know, during the, his first encounter with Brainiac, and we know that's going to come up again. Um, and uh, it's kind of the, the advantage that Clark has now with Earth is that he has Kara. He has a backup. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the first iteration, he's fighting Brainiac and, and all of his drones and things, and he can't he can't also track and stop down the missile. Um, you know, even if he did realize that that's what was going on when he does see this, he now has this experience and he has, Hey, I have a Trump card now, my own Trump card. And he sends Kara to get the missile because he realizes I can take down Brainiac because I've formulated, you know, or I figured out what his actual weakness is. I need to be here to try and get him off the ship. And the fact that he puts that much trust in her, that he knows that she's going to be able to, um, to stop that. Um, 
kind of shows a little bit of him. Uh, as you see in that beginning interaction with Clark and Kara um, with the terrorists in the very beginning of the movie, he, he shows a little bit of irritation with her and a little bit of, you know, just, you know, I think he tells her, you know, learn to, you know, just be um, a part of the planet. Like, you know, you haven't learned to control your powers yet kind of thing. And then towards the end, you know, he kind of puts that trust into her and he says, okay, you know, I need you to do this. Go do well, this. Stop. And this. he knows this is this. He knows this is a situation where he can just take the leash off. Just go. Yeah. Just do go. what you yep. do. Yeah. But from um, yeah, from there we know that um, we know that Supergirl is on the way to stop the. I think they call it a solar aggressor, which is a really cool title for a missile. Um, you know, Supergirl is on the way to stop that, and Superman takes on Brainiac head on at this point. And I love that they set up that Brainiac just thinks there's nothing left to learn from Earth. He finds it very primitive and there's nothing that he can gather further from it. And Superman ends up taking him, you know, head on in a swamp on Earth. And they get into this huge battle in the swamp and suddenly Brainiac is just overwhelmed with everything that he overlooked with Earth. There's all this minute life, you know, there's mosquitoes, there's bugs, there's mud. And Superman is basically using this because this is not in Brainiac's equations and his calculations. He's using this to overload Brainiac's system, which I, I thought was really cool because it's it's the it's the underestimation of earth on Brainiac's part that finally does him in, which I, I, I don't know. It's the beats in this story as they progress, because they, they go back to, you know, earlier parts in the story where Brainiac flat out told Superman, why would you choose this as your earth? It's beneath you kind of thing or your home. So, yeah, I really like that Superman is using Brainiac's conclusions against him. So it ties back to that scene where Brainiac plugs Superman in, into his ship and tries to overload Superman with all of the knowledge that he has mm -hmm. of his planets and things that he's collected. Right. Yeah. And it, it, that is, yeah, because he thinks everything that he's collected from Superman and the knowledge of Earth is all he needs. And then when he gets down into literally when he gets down into the into the nitty gritty and the dirt and the mud of of Earth, he learns there's so much more that he didn't factor in. And it eventually. Yeah, just, oh, go ahead. Just in that small little sample, like when he talks about, you know, the mud on his hand has got more data that's overwhelming than everything Brainiac has on his ship. All right. So, yeah. So after being so overloaded with all this, I mean, Brainiac just can't take it and he basically implodes. Um, so Superman does it. There's, you know, he doesn't have to do any major heavy lifting here. He basically just lets Brainiac implode. And then there is, of course, because it's Superman, there's a final big punch um, that takes out Brainiac. And then so after that, we have the situation where Metropolis has been lifted from the planet. So of course now it's, it's put back into place and it regrows to size. Um, and Supergirl in the nick of time does stop the solar aggressor and destroys the missile. 
So the day is is pretty much saved here, and Metropolis is restored. And then we find out that Superman he's going to make good on his promise um, to take Candor and put it on this planet that he was referring to earlier with the Red Sun, and it expands to size. And now Candor is basically a thriving city again on its own planet. It's not Krypton, but it's close enough in genetic makeup where they can thrive and live, which is really fascinating to me because there's a lot of instances in different comics and Superman stories where it's a constant research project for Superman. Like he's constantly trying to figure out how he, he can restore Kandor um, to its full size and, and on a planet that's inhabitable. But I really like in this standalone story, he has a solution for it. And you do get to see a resolution there, which I, I thought was really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, as well as like the comments that I made earlier about this solution. It's I think a, a lot of it comes down to the fact that like he's just he's already progressed so far in his career as Superman that he does have that um you know, solution, you know, kind of already in his back pocket. And I think, um, I think it's something that would benefit Kara as well, you know, to have a piece of her home and, um, and stuff that she can, she can go back to, especially since, you know, her parents, um, have now been found to survive. Um, yeah, the, the reunion between her and her parents was great. Yeah. Like it, it kind of helps close the door on her story as well. And then also leaves you with that little bit of, you know, you can, you can think about, you know, how this city is going to kind of rebuild and, and become the seed that blossoms into kind of a, a new Krypton. Yeah, absolutely. And then because this movie does do a lot of paying off callbacks and, you know, story beats that were set up earlier in the movie, we do get at the end, there's a discussion between Lois and Clark where they're at the Daily Planet and he's he's decided he's going to loosen up a little bit and he's not going to harass Lois about putting herself in danger because that's her job. And he's decided to make his his life with Lois public and proposes to her in the in the offices of the Daily Planet, which I know we had had a discussion earlier about, you know, the the interesting choice of making Lois so, you know, I, I don't know what the right word is, I guess, forthcoming about wanting to be a public relationship and and needing that needing that from Clark. Um, but I do like that they do pay it off here at the end, where you know Clark has decided that it is something that he's willing to do. And he makes that so public. Um, I thought it was a nice callback and a nice wrap up to the story here. I agree. Um, you know, I'm big on like writing whenever it comes to these animated movies and, and it being, you know, tell me a, a good story and <clears throat> a good story to me is something that, you know, drops the, you know, it ties everything in together between the beginning and the end and doesn't have any kind of Deus Ex Machina, you know, kind of solutions going yeah. on. Um, and I think this kind of kind of ties that in on that the first, you know, kind of storyline that we talked about um, with them. Um, 
and and it's kind of a nice uh cliffhanger there towards the end too um because think about back about it i can kind of see um you know it goes because it does she answer him at the end or doesn't it or does it like stop like right after he like proposes it does one of those freeze frames again with her emotionless face <laughs> okay so i i okay so that definitely kind of solidifies like my next thought i what if it goes one of two ways she says yes and then you go on and then you have like you know like the marriage of superman and lois kind of thing or maybe she maybe she like flat out tells him no like right there like in front of everybody because he's he's thinking oh we're gonna go public where i'm just gonna kiss you and like let everybody know and then also like propose to you at the same time and she's like no we got to take an actual like uh like be in a relationship like a public relationship first before i say yes to marry you um i so can I think totally kinda... see a <laughs> it's a lowest lane thing to say i need to think about it yeah exactly <laughs> I, I, that's kind of where i get at and i feel like that's you know maybe that's the point they're trying to get across here by by closing it with you know before you get before he gets the yes kind of thing um, yeah and so i don't know if you st stuck around for it but did you know there's a post-credit scene i did not i did not stick around for it no okay so there is a post-credit scene um where they show brainiac's remains in the fortress of solitude and they start to glow kind of showing that Brainiacs may not be completely out yet. Um, which, interestingly, I don't think there was ever a follow-up to this movie, at least not directly. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe it was something that they plan to do in the future and just never got back around to. Of course, Brainiac has showed up in other animated DC properties, but I don't think there was ever a direct follow-up to this. But interesting that they chose to to add in a little stinger at the end of the movie. That that is interesting. I do like that. And something that I was gonna um make sure I brought up was <clears throat> did you notice that when he breaks down to that core that square at the end, that cube, that mm -hmm. that I think is the first time that, that we see the traditional like three dots, two lines, like brainiac symbol. Like we had not really I don't think we had really seen that anywhere um prior to that scene of him breaking down to the like initial thing and i thought maybe that was like a really cool kind of easter egg easter, along yeah with, yeah i honestly didn't pay any attention to it but I, yeah i'll have to go back and look because i, I mean I, you knew he had he had the dots on his head for the connectors earlier yeah. and things like that but I, I don't think they ever did show that specific you know, classic symbology. Yeah. Symbol. Yeah. So interesting. I'll definitely have to check that out and you'll have to check out the uh, post credits. The post credits. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I wish they had done a little more with this, but it, it does. I don't think they ever did any kind of follow-up. I'm pretty sure they didn't um, to this movie because shortly after this, the DC animated universe really got kicked off with the, I, the quote unquote new 52 style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, so this is kind of where they left it as a standalone, but that's also cool because it's nice to have, again, as as I said at the beginning of the episode, just having a, a good standalone Superman story where there's no included extra homework or anything else to have to watch. Um, 
so yeah, a, a good movie, um, a fun Superman tale. And again, as I've said before, I think it's a good basis for if you wanted to do Brainiac versus Superman in live action, there's a lot of good story beats you can take from this. Maybe not a one-to-one representation, but but a good a good basis. So with that, we've we've kind of come to the end of this story, Matt. Uh, give me some final thoughts on Superman Unbound. Um, I think it's like we've said it time and time again. Um, it's a great standalone. Um, you don't as long as you know the very basics of Superman, you'll you'll under understand, be able to tie in everything that goes on. Spectacular writing, in my opinion, because of that, because they give you what you need throughout the movie um, instead of kind of dumping it all on you at the end. um, Mm -hmm. They kind of reveal things throughout and make sure to tie in. I don't really see a whole lot of things in the movie that are just there that don't ever really pay off. Everything kind of starts to, um, you know, tie back in at some point during the end and, and close up um different threads and and things um you get lots of you get so much superman action in this i will say like there's not a whole lot of downtime you get him fighting um brainiac in multiple different ways um and brainiac is this is a a fantastic rendition of him um i also love the fact that not only is he um you know this super intelligent adaptive ai kind of villain but in the final scene you get someone who can actually stand toe-to-toe with with superman um that was something i I did not comment on earlier but he he's that level of threat kind of that throws back to uh the um the animated um superman show where he has that um uh, iconic face off with dark side. And he says, you're someone that I don't have to hold back on, you know, I'm living in a world of cardboard or whatever. Well, this, this Brainiac kind of lives up to this. It's not somebody that, you know, Superman would hold back on, but um, mm, good point. It's a universe level threat. It's done very well. Then you also have the um, uh, supporting characters of Lois and Kara. And then the, the humorous ones like, um, What's his name? Uh, uh, Lombard. Steve Lombard. Yeah, he's all. He's always. He's always a um, a trip in any uh, Superman uh, media, um, but not without overpowering this. Like this is this is this is not a Supergirl movie. This is a Superman movie. He is the focus of it, um, mm-hmm. and they are supported. But I I I think it's it it everything gets tied up in the end. Um, and it's, it's a nice little, um, uh, write up. And it also, it also kind of like, it's great that it's standalone and it doesn't have to like depend on anything else, but it is one where I see multiple different ways that you could kind of run a Superman unbound to, or, you know, some kind of sequel to it, um, that I, I would not be disappointed to see if they decided to go back and do one day. 
Nice. Yeah, I'm in agreement with with all of that. Um, and it's 75 minutes, so it's a quick watch. Um, and they do they pack a lot of story into 75 minutes. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information on Supergirl and Superman himself, and the balance, the life balance between you know his powers and what he has to do to protect the world, and also being you know a boyfriend or a possible fiance at the end of the movie with Lois Lane. So there's a lot of dynamic here between the relationships that I like. And of course, as you said, the Brainiac interpretation is fantastic. And John Noble did a great job voicing this. This whole voice cast is really good. So if you are, if you're hungry for some Superman content, if you're excited about the the upcoming future we have coming with Superman, I, I think it's a definite uh, rewatch potential. Go back and check it out. If you haven't seen it in a while, um, and, and let us know what you think, you know, send us a message on, on X or, or to the email and let us know what you thought of this one. I'm, I'm very curious because you don't hear people talk about this one a lot. So I'm curious what other people think, especially Superman fans. So reach out to us. Uh, but Matt, I want to thank you so much for joining for this Superman unbound episode. Uh, I always really enjoy having you on the show, especially for the animated movies, because I know you really enjoy those. So thank you again for coming on the show. And uh, I know your, your social media, um, I don't know if it's an embargo or what you got going on. I know you're, <laughs> I call you a social media hermit, but is there anything you'd like to plug or any social media out there that you do use? I just, just show your support for the shows um, guys out there that are listening. Um, you know, whatever platform you choose to, uh, to listen to this show on um, support our boy, Eric here. Um, make sure you like um, comment, subscribe, share, whatever, whatever it is you can do on your favorite podcast platform, <clears throat> show them some love. Um, and if you do happen to, for some reason have uh any kind of questions that you want to direct directly to me, shoot it, shoot it to an email in the show. And um, Eric can uh, get my response and uh, I'll make sure I'll make sure he has it um, and awesome. gets my answer to you. And we will definitely do that. But thank you again, Matt. And as for myself, you can find my personal accounts on um, Instagram X and letterboxd. That's <laughs> me Carter 89 M E Carter 89. Um, the show can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and X at TFR Batpod. Again, if you have thoughts, questions, or suggestions for the show, make sure you reach out to us at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. If you're looking for a way to support the show, the best and easiest way to do that is to leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. If you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, we will read those on the show. If you're looking for another way to support the show, and we don't ask that you spend a dime on this show, but if you'd like to, you can go to redbubble.com and search Shop TFR, all one word, and you'll find our awesome logos created by Justin Kowalski on all kinds of cool merch there. Our theme song was composed by the extraordinarily talented Gaurav Vendikeswar. And you can find his music at gvtunes.com. Again, make sure you go to the link in this podcast description and go visit Organic Price Books and save on all kinds of neat comic-related books there. But that'll do it for this episode of TFR. For Matt, I'm Eric. 
Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Comics, or DC Studios. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.